0: They might say. We love Jesus anyway. Think of Samson and you think of James Dean. He's just a, a rebel without a cause. But as we'll find out today as we get into the life of Samson proper, he is God's man for the hour. Let's talk about that next on Way of Grace. Samson. He is a pretty wily character. He does a lot of rebellious things, but he is still the Lord's man. Welcome to Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stan will take us to Judges 14 as we'll take a look at those first 20 verses. Samson gets a wife, God gets the glory. We begin with a look at the mystery of God's will in Samson's life, and it is a fourfold aspect that we'll explore. So, let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stan. For today's broadcast of Way of Grace, you will turn back in your Bibles
1: to the book of Judges, chapter 14, Judges, chapter 14. We will have to lay some groundwork for you to be able to keep up with this choice vessel that God has uh, set before us in the archives of history, certainly within the codification of God's special revelation called Scripture. And if you think you know this text, then ask God to help you forget what you know so you can be open to learn. These things were written not for our knowing. These things were written not for our hearing. They were written for our learning. Whenever you come to Scripture and you think you know, then it means you're not ready to learn. These things are written for our learning. And I really mean that. That's a real battle that we have, thinking we can come to the Word of God, and I already know what God has to say. And that is true for our present judge. So I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation, and then we're going to dig in. And as you know, it's going to hurt a little bit. Because when you map Scripture onto our life, we come to discover that we end up being on the wrong team but for the grace of God. Now, we know the rules. We know the rules. Here's what we know. The Bible is not written about you. That's the first one you have to get. If you think it's about you, you will never hear from God. The other rule that we need to know is that the Bible is written through men, men and women, narratively, prescriptively, prose, and all of the other things. So he works throughout humanity to bring to the understanding of men and women what God's will is. We're going to be dealing with that as our fundamental point today. But all scripture is really to guide us into the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now that proposition is easily affirmed by most of you who have been under grace, many for many, uh, grace ministry for many years, but I want you to own it again and realize that there are always more things we can learn about the person and work of God. And therefore, we need to listen with the utmost attention as to what the scriptures are saying. Lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me. Help us as we go through the life of Samson to not only see Samson, not only see ourselves, but see our savior in Samson for silly an adulterous, and unfaithful women like us. I do want to say this as I continue to lay the foundation. This is not a romance. Please get that. What Samson is about to embark upon is not your 21st century eros love. So you can beat him up if you want to, but this is God's choice servant. And Samson is not ignorant of his purpose, although his parents may be, although the people that he is about to engage in will be, and although you may be ignorant of his purpose, there's a lot to learn about the man whom God called before he even had a being, purposed even before he came into the world and groomed him from the womb to be separated unto God, unto adulthood. That's a special advantage. That's a special child. That's a special person who knows things about God that other people don't know. Other thing I want you to hurry up and get while I have you is that Samson is special. And I mean that in the peculiar sense of special. I mean that in the deep, peculiar sense of he is on the extreme because he's an artist. He has an artful mindset. He's a poet. He's a rittler. He dresses in unique garb. His hair is longer than everybody else's. And what that means is if you judge a book according to its cover, you're going to miss the wisdom in Samson. Some of y'all got an email me from this morning. For me this morning, I told you to check out my brother. He's a lot deeper than you think, because most people look at folks and judge them with squares. But see, Samson is a a lot like my master, the Lord Jesus. I already told you he came and they didn't figure him out until he was gone. And that's going to be the case with Samson. So now as we deal with a narrative that is going to contextually call our attention to cultural affinities, marriages, Don't plop on top of Samson's engagements, your own model of marriage. You're going to miss the point. So let's do some things. The thing I definitely want you to get is that almost every commentary, if you read it on Samson, basically launches at him and begins to shred his character Um, As some kind of individual that's operating out of massive levels of intemperance, like unbridled lust and, and just, you know, every time he sees a woman, he just wants her. That's a distraction and far from the truth. I remember one commentary saying, don't try to compare Samson to David. David is far better than Samson. I said, okay. David has seven wives and 13 concubines and dozens of kids. And in our narrative, Samson is only dealing with three women. And only one of them he deals with precariously. The other two, he marries, which is what I'm about to talk about now. So, yes, I'm not going to compare him to David. I love David. I already told you, if I got to fight somebody in the hood, I want David on my side. But David had a bigger problem with women than Samson did. So don't miss it because a lot of what goes on in our culture today, as you already know, many of you guys are having an epiphany, a red pill uh, experience with the reality that you have had a lot of lies told to you at the highest levels of education and academia. And a lot of the gatekeepers have distorted data, distorted information, and have hoodwinked you into buying into policies that don't correspond with the truth. You know that. Well, this happens in seminaries, too. I know this for a fact. So a lot of our literature will have men who are contributing to the exegesis and commentary of Scripture who are are bent on certain notions by which they actually miss the truth of the gospel. Now, if you want to always be as close to the truth anywhere in the world, stay close to God. God won't ever steer you wrong, but you will be steered wrong if you you listen to men. So I want you to capture this as we continue to, you see that I'm advocating for Samson, am I not? I want you to understand three things about Samson that cannot be missed. First of all, Samson is without a shadow of a doubt saved. Hebrews chapter 11, 32. I'm not going to build on that much. I just want you to remember what the Hebrew writer said about Jephthah. Is Jephthah saved? Is Gideon saved? That's right. Is, is uh 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 Afni saved? Is Barak saved? Then so is Samson saved as well. Listen to it. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me if I were to uh speak of Gideon and of Barak and of what? Samson, and then it goes on Jephthah, and then is David saved? Is Samuel saved? Then Samson is saved too. He's in the list, is he not? And what that means, child of God, is you and I can learn something from somebody that's saved, even if they are so peculiar and bizarre and out of step with the culture that it takes a little labor to figure out their rhythm. Right, and that's what Samson is for us today. So let's go to work. First, he's saved. Hebrews eleven thirty two. 32. Samson is also spirit filled. Did you know that? We saw that for the first time in our text, did we not? At verse six, you're going to see it again in verse 19. Then you're going to see it again in the final chapter, chapter 16 again. Three times does Samson become endowed with the spirit of God at levels. Listen, no other judge has. I'll talk about that as we make our way through, but what it indicates is, is the presence and approval of God in his life to accomplish the mission that he's called to do. Now, let me just make application while we're dealing with that. Every time God gives you an assignment, ask him to fill you with his spirit because you won't get it done without his grace. Because you see, God's assignment almost always costs you something because God is calling you to tell people truth. And the only way you can tell people truth is if you got God on your side. Hence, Christ told the disciples to tarry here until you be endued from on high with power. So shall you be my what? Witnesses. You cannot witness for God's glory without God's help. So remember that Samson saved, and Samson is spirit filled. Guess what else Samson is? Samson is sent. He's sent. So understand that Samson is not pursuing a liaison of romantic love. Samson is on a mission from God. I mean, you can call him James Bond if you want to, but I'm actually calling him Tom Cruise. (laughs) He's on a mission and he knows it. And it's extremely important that you and I get the pattern, because if you get the pattern, you can see the silhouette. You can see the paradigm. You can see the model of Jesus. When Jesus came, Jesus knew he was dealing with a mystery, a mission that most people wouldn't get. Is that true? Watch the pattern of Jesus and Samson as we work our way through our text. Point number one in our outline, the mystery of God's will in Samson. That's a proposition I want you to think through. It's going to show up in verse 4, and I want you to see it. Chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and he told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman, are there not women among the daughters of your brethren or among all the people that you would go to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleases me. Look at verse four. Verse four is your plumb line. Verse four is going to get you out of the cave. Verse four is going to give you a bird's eye view of the truth. But his father and his mother did not know that it was of the Lord. That it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had what? Dominion over Israel. Now, there are four things I want to, one thing I want to call your attention to, and it's going to require understanding four categories around it. And that is first and foremost, the will of God. See, the author is letting you know that where Samson is going, Samson is not going because it's generated out of his peculiarity for strange women. That he's headed down to Timnath because God is moving him. And people who care about reality care about what God is up to. You can read the newspaper all you want. But until you see God behind or above or underneath or in front of the newspaper, you're going to miss the point. And what the author wants you to do as you make your way through chapter 14, 15 and 16 is not miss God in the narrative. At all times, aren't we always asking the question, Lord, what is your will? See, men and women who are sensitive to and want to get it right, we're always asking God, what is his will? And God's will is not easily discerned. And the reason why it's not is because God's will is complicated. It carries many categories. Okay, so the first thing I want you to understand is that in terms of the will of God, it can be be defined as the purpose of God, the decree of God the plans of God, the schemes of God, okay? Thelos in the New Testament means God's desires. All right, staying clearly with that concept of the will of God, God's will is described biblically under four categories. First and foremost, the will of God is the sovereignty of God over everything that happens in the world. Now, let me define that briefly for you. It means... That God is aware of everything that occurs in the world because it is actually supervised by his immediate power and authority. Nothing happens in the universe that God is not aware of has purpose and design for an outcome that corresponds with his goal and purpose. That's what sovereignty means. Listen to Psalm 115 verse three, Psalm 115 verse three. I want you to capture this, but our God is in the what? And we already know where he is in the heavens. He's on his throne. That means he's a divine monarch. That means he's seated and ruling. He's not running around helter skelter trying to control his universe. He's governing his universe like a theomonarch that rules over mankind, having a senate and magisterium under him and having a host doing his bidding. And every one of them does what he says because he is the power behind everything. God is the first cause of everything. Everyone has their being in God. We all live, move, and have our being in God. Even if we comprehend God from the furthest heights, the, 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 the distance between us and God can be of infinitude in terms of our comprehension. He still controls every breath you take. And as I Elder put it, every move you make, he controls every fiber in your being, every cell in your body, every subatomic particle. God controls it all. That means he's sovereign. In that we own the compendium of God's sovereignty, He umbrellas everything by the immediacy of His divine control, it's still worked out in categories. So God's will has at least four characteristics to it uh, in addition to it being sovereign. That means God can't lie, God can't change, and God won't what? God can't lie. So now when we talk about God not being able to lie, what you and I are now talking about is what we call God's revealed or preceptive will. When God speaks, then we get to hear what God is up to. When God speaks, we get to listen to what he's saying. When God speaks, now we get to inquire and analyze and investigate what God requires. And what we call God's preceptive will is the Bible. God's preceptive will falls out like this. Historically, God speaks to men and men speak to other men about what God says. And this is how we know God. Is that not true? This is what we call the um, the uh, spoken word of God, the spoken word of God. But the spoken word of God has been laid out throughout history from Moses up to now in what is called preceptive form. Your Bible is the preceptive will of God. Did that make some sense? Right. To the law and to the testimony, Isaiah 820. If they don't speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. And when you don't know people, when you know people who don't know their Bible, they're not giving you light because your Bible is light. Thy word is a lamp. Thy word is a light. And so the scripture is God's preceptive will. I just spoke to you about God's sovereign will. His sovereign will is only perceived by you when you know that God runs the universe, right? But you probably would not know that until you read the Bible and understood in Psalm 115, 3, God's on his throne ruling everything. And then when you read other passages, it will tell you that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And that God upholds all things by the word of his power. And now we know that God is ubiquitously in control of everything. And that ought to bring comfort to the child of God. So I want you to capture this. The way we know who God is and what he's up to is because his word has let us in on the nature and character of God. That makes sense, right? So even when you read your Bible, what you read about is how God shows up in people's lives to tell them what he wants. And once they hear what he wants, now they know his will. But what they don't know is all his will. So I want you to capture this now. There is what we call the sovereign will of God. Then we have what is called the preceptive will of God, the Bible. But inside the preceptive will of God, guess what we discover? The secret will of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 teaches the Hebrew people and it teaches those of us who are covenant that there are things about God you and I will never know. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The what things of God? They belong where? Which means that the Lord has chosen not to let you know what he's up to a lot of times. Keeping up with me? It's important to know that. I think sometimes Christians know way too much. And often we do that in substitute of trusting God to know way more than we do. But because we don't trust God, we want to pretend we know as much as God does. Reality is we know very little. Ask one of the wisest men on earth. His name was Job. How little of his ways do we know? But the little bit that God shows us is enough for us to be able to trust him so that the just shall live by what? And without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Y'all keeping up with me? Laying a foundation. I'm going to show you why verse four needs to be understood by you, or else you're going to turn the life of Samson into a soap opera and miss the gospel. So first and foremost, in the sovereignty of God, we come to understand that God rules over everything. I feel good about that because if there are things in the universe that God doesn't rule, it has the same power that God does. And that's a problem. Secondly, we understand that the Bible is the word of God. Through thy precepts do I get understanding. Therefore, I what? Hate every false way because the word of God delineates right and wrong, doesn't it? The word of God lays out the commandments. It lays out the parameters. When the Bible says in Genesis 2, 17, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is that not a line drawn? Is that not a boundary? Has not God spoken? Is that not God's preceptive will? In the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. Now, God can't lie. God can't change and God can't fail. When you eat, you're going to do what? You're going to die. So now we understand that the Bible lays these things out and he lays them out in ways that are in an, uh, uh, unambiguous to those of us who listen to God's word. Your precepts are clear and understood by all who pay attention to God. But within the framework of the preceptive will of God, we discover this. Now, I need you to go back, sweetheart, go back to where we were in De- uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, because I'm getting ready to show you another category. The secret things of the Lord belong unto the Lord, but those things which are what? That's what I meant. The preceptive will of God is a re- revelation of God. When God's word is it's made known to us. It's revealed, is it not? Within the framework of God's sovereignty over providence and events in the world. Stay with me. Things happen, it's where this little phrase, it came to what? Pass. Things happen, that's called the revelation of God's will in providence. So you wait on that. You wait on God to show you what he's up to, and if he shows you what he's up to, the secret things now have become the revealed things.
0: And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030 Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30. Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30. Directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are a great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. of Jesus sending away